Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. I want to welcome this week's guest, Lorene Aseo, to our show today. Laureen is the founder and CEO of Fresh and Lean, the largest organic prepared meal delivery service in the U.S. In 2010, Laureen was only 18 years old when she decided to start the company out of her one-bedroom apartment, all while she was attending the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. She always had dreams of being an entrepreneur and actually had goals of starting her own sustainable fashion brand one day. However, her journey took a complete turn when her father's health was rapidly declining. He was suffering from very high cholesterol and had a handful of other issues that were the result of his poor eating habits and inactivity. Lorene started cooking meals to help him get back to the basics and focus on eating nutritious foods without heavy processed ingredients. Through his clean eating, many were blown away by his results, and that's when Lorene started creating recipes, cooking, and delivering meals herself. The business grew rapidly, and more specifically over the past three years, Fresh and Lean has recorded revenue growth of more than 500% and is generating millions in revenue without any outside funding. Fresh and Lean now operates in a 55,000 square feet commercial facility and has over 500 employees. We'll talk to Loreen about what it takes to build a business at such a young age without any outside funding, how she continues to lead through challenging times, especially when no one believed in her concept starting out, and the biggest lessons she's learned over the past decade in running her company. Welcome to the show, Loreen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited that you're here. I'm a big fan of your products. To be honest, I am shocked how clean the ingredients are, especially for prepared foods. And when I digged into the brand a little bit, just learning more about you as a founder and how young you were starting this company and how much the company has grown over the past 10 years since you started to where it's at today, I think is incredibly impressive. So I'm excited to jump into it. I'd love to start with your childhood. Your parents moved here from France to the U.S. in the 90s, and you talk a lot about how you grew up with a very European culture. You focused on family, food, every meal, you all sat down together. So I'd love to hear more about your childhood and how you think it's really influenced who you are today. Yeah, that's a really good question because it 100% has impacted me in so many different ways. So of course, one of them is the influence behind food and culture and like my appreciation for food that goes so much deeper than just like the nutrition or how it heals the body or how it does harm to the body. So one of the biggest things that I talk about a lot is just the conversation about like culturally, like why people eat what they eat, what food means to people and the relationship that people have with food. Cause I think it's super important again, the positive and the negative and how food can be like, so polarizing again in a positive and then a negative. So it's just like a very like interesting way of looking at it. But growing up, like you said, I ate every meal with my parents. We were a big house about like cooking and trying new things, which was great. The big thing too, that has really impacted me is my father was super into business, always was an entrepreneur and things like that. And so I grew up just always talking about business and ideas and both of my parents, but especially my dad were super supportive about me wanting to follow my dreams and opening these conversations that kids probably don't normally have and just being super, super supportive. And he still is to this day. He's my number one fan, always pushing me to do what I want to follow my dreams. And and that was really instilled from me at a young age. So that was a super powerful, especially being a woman and being young and trying to be in this world that's not so favorable um, to women and business and especially being young. So it's definitely shaped me in so many ways. And really, I mean, the foundation of Fresh and Lean is food and it was inspired by my father. So it kind of just comes full circle with family. Absolutely. And I know your dad is a serial entrepreneur. When you were growing up, did you always envision yourself 
of being a founder and starting your own company one day? Yeah. I mean, I always kind of went back and forth. So it's actually funny when I'm a huge animal person, I've been an equestrian my whole life. So when I was like very young, I wanted to be an architect, but I wanted to design barns, like not a very (laughs) big dream, but I wanted to design horse barns. So I had these binders where I would like draw barns. And I tell this story where when I was I don't know, like eight, nine, 10, I would go online and I would look at used horse trailers and I would print the pages and I would go to my dad and I would say, dad, look at this one. You know, if we negotiate, we can get it for like $3,000 less. And I was just like so obsessed with horses. So my whole mind was about horses and trailers and, and whatever it was. So that's always kind of been like that, like I don't know, negotiation, whatever. And it was, and my dad always entertained it, which was great. So it always kind of got the wheels turning. So I went from wanting to be an architect drawing barns to in the fashion industry, wanting to have a sustainable line of clothing. And that's something that at the age of like 14, 15, I just knew I wanted to do. So I applied to FITM to do early entrance when I was like a sophomore in high school and got in and then really like jumped into the program. I've always been super inspired by the world of manufacturing and like the back end of all of consumer products that we don't even think about. There's so much that goes into everything that we're just so accustomed to having them, you know, like this highlighter on my desk, like so much goes into this highlighter. And I think that it's just so inspiring. So I've always been inspired by manufacturing not only is entrepreneurship not glitz and glamoury, but a lot of other things aren't. So that was one thing being in downtown LA, going to all the manufacturing houses and seeing how the product was made. That was a big thing to me. And so, yeah, so I kind of went down that path. And even today, I feel I'm obviously fully submerged in fresh and lean and what I'm doing here, but I'm consistent, like always thinking about different ideas and, you know, oh, like this would be really cool and talking it through. So definitely, I think that that's how my mind works. And it always, it's been like that for a long time. I love that. No, you definitely seem like a very creative, but still analytical business oriented person, which is the best of both worlds. So you talked about, you've always had this dream of getting into fashion, creating a product, a sustainable brand. You get into a top school, FITM, and then your career took a complete turn when your father got sick. So I'd love for you to take us back to that time in college because it was a pretty pivotal moment in your life. It was, I spent a lot of time there building out a program. Um, The one thing that's cool about that school is that as you go through your last final or whatever it is, like you've built this business plan. And so you spent a lot of time going through it and conceptualizing and doing all of these things, whether fully realistic or not, because the real world is just so much different in every way, shape or form. But yeah, when my father got sick, being that family is so important. There was no doubt in my mind that I had to pivot, not only for him, but it really was an eye-opener that he's not by far the only person that suffers with this in our country. We have a very, very unhealthy population. And 10, 11 years ago, it was even more so. There was not a lot of education behind what food does to the body. There's a lot of misconceptions around health. And and still to this day, if you look at standards set forth by the USDA and and the FDA, it's stuff that was written a really long time ago when we didn't have the research and the studies that we do now and something that completely needs to be reformed. So that's a whole other discussion that I could keep you on forever. But with that being said, I just knew that and it sounds pretentious, but I don't want to say a calling, but I just saw an opportunity to not only help him, but to potentially help millions of people. And I think that for me being really like caused based and mission oriented is what continues to push me forward. It translates through the whole company and the way that I treat my employees, the way that I, you know, run my manufacturing and like all of that kind of stuff. But it just, yeah, there was no doubt that fashion, as much as I loved it and had a passion for it, I just think everything happens for a reason and the universe is crazy. And I just, I just didn't even think twice. I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I need to do in this moment. And for those that aren't as familiar with your story, so your father got sick, you were in fashion school, you decided everything needs to stop to just help him. What were those early days of helping him? What did that look like for you? Yeah, we basically, I started doing meal prepping, very basic meal prep out of my kitchen apartment. And it was just, 
he is the type of person that can cold turkey change, right? Not everybody's like that. So in a different scenario, someone would gradually change their diet. He went cold turkey vegan. So Fresh and Lean started as a vegan company originally, not doing any animal protein just because it worked so well with him. And as he got better and lost 85 pounds within like an eight month period of time, people started seeing results. He completely changed and went back to the doctor. All of his levels were back to normal and really did very well. People started noticing. And so that's kind of how the concept took shape is I started taking on other clients or customers and started doing these meal preps for them. And yeah, it it turned out to work very well for a lot of people. And that's a big accomplishment because you were still in college. I know you were pulling crazy hours, right? Maintaining your academics and then starting this business on the side, which started off as working with clients, meal prepping and helping them. How did you feel when you graduated? All your friends were going into the fashion industry, probably had more stable jobs. And you kind of had this idea that you weren't really sure where it was going to go, but you knew there was something there because you were helping the people around you. What did that feel like at the time? That's an interesting question because I think that there's two things. There's the one part of it where since I started so young in the program um, at FITM's Accelerated anyway, so it's not like four years. By the time I finished and started the company, a lot of my friends were still in college and they still had two additional years. And then from there, they started their careers after that. So the one thing that, that I had to do was like make the sacrifice of like, I'm not going to do what all my friends are doing in terms of going out and being social and going to parties and living that really like typical college life, which I think is so great and that everyone needs to experience. But I made the decision that it just wasn't for me for better or worse. Like personally, now I look back at my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, 11 years went by so fast. And like my whole twenties, I was like grind mode and didn't get to experience a lot. But again, I think that everyone just like chooses the path to go down. I would go visit my friends and, you know, at SDSU or whatever on the weekends. And I would be in the, in the room working while everyone was out drinking or, you know, socializing and doing that kind of stuff. And then I would like close my laptop down and I'd be like, okay, now I'm going to go enjoy, but I would still wake up early in the morning and then go back to work. And so it's just the choice that you have to make. I don't think there's any right or wrong choice. It's a very personal choice. And of course, like I wouldn't go back and change anything, but you do, depending on how you want to live your life and what kind of outcome you want to do, even if it's unknown, which mine was very unknown at the beginning, it was so difficult. And there was, I talk about not having any outside capital and still to this day, we don't, but that made it even harder. Like there were times when I had to make sure that my employees got paid. So I took home $20 for the weekend and just had to make it work. And I think that not a lot of people can live that way, which I completely understand because it is very, very difficult. And if I didn't have my family to support me and kind of like go through the motions together, I don't know if I would be singing the same tune. So again, it was very, very difficult for many, many years, I think up until like three years ago, where things took a really great turn for the company and it's a bit more comfortable. But yeah, it's very difficult being an entrepreneur and then kind of doing what needs to be done to grow your business. Yeah. And you mentioned something that I want to touch more upon is when you were starting out this business, I don't think you envisioned how big or what the final goal was, right? You were hustling to kind of help your customers create these great meal plans. You knew something was there, but What really motivated you to push through those years of tough times? Because like you said, your company didn't really scale until many years in. So what was your motivation to push through those years of trying to build a company without any outside capital? Failing was never an option. I never was like, oh, we're going to be a hundred, 200, 300 million dollar company. Right. And I never like said by 2020, I want to have a hundred million in revenue. Like that was never a conversation in my mind because I really think that people who do things for the money, it's just a different type of perspective. Failure was never an option because I just believed in it so much, but I didn't know exactly what it would look like. Like I knew that I had something and I knew that it would be successful. I didn't know what that success would mean. You know, if you looking at everything going on now, if I 
were to tell Loreen 11 years ago about what's happening now, I would probably like laugh and be like, yeah, okay, like sure. You know what I mean? Because again, like I just believed so much and I still do in the mission. And I think that that's what drives me forward is not only like what I'm doing and how much I believe in it, but also my family. Now my employees, I care so deeply about their well-being and like continuing to grow the company for them. And that's a huge motivator and a pusher too. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel like time goes by so fast when you're on the grind and doing things every single day. And and it's hard to, you know, take a step back and see what you've accomplished or what's going on. But I definitely never imagined that it would be what it is today, but I kind of did, if that makes sense. Like, it's just, it's this weird balance, I guess. Sure. And I think that's really important to talk about because you need to really truly believe in your company, especially doing a lot of these interviews with self-made women like yourself. It takes years to really scale the company. There's a lot of hardship. And if you don't truly believe and are excited about what you're bringing to the world, you will quickly give up in an instant. So it's just interesting to know, you know, in your gut, you knew something was there. You knew there was a bigger purpose for you and this company, but you didn't exactly know where it would take you. And I think that's great to hear because some people get really intimidated about, I have this idea, but I don't know what the next five, 10 years will be like. It's like you take the first few steps and just think about the next step in front of you. And your entire life has been that way. And like you said, you're a multi-million dollar company. You've been doing it for 10 years. You're not even 30 yet. And you never would have imagined that, right? Like 10, 11 years ago. So I think that's a great point. And I'm thank you for sharing that with us. So when you were creating this concept in 2010, it wasn't common to buy prepared meals online, right? And that was like the first strategy you guys implemented. How did you break through the hurdles and really educate customers? Because I think there's so many entrepreneurs who are listening who might be coming up with a new disruptive idea and need to educate customers on why they're bringing this to the world. Yeah. And you're right. It was kind of a taboo kind of thing, right? Not a lot of people were doing it. And I remember, you know, at the time when I first started, I would do customer service. I would do, you know, the cook, like everything. And I would talk to people and it was like crazy to them. Like, wait, you're going to mail me my meals. Whereas now we live in like this, like thanks to Amazon, like we want everything mailed. It's like <laughs> the, even the weirdest thing. It's like, yes, absolutely. Mail that to me. And so I think that I think we've been lucky is that the progression of society has gone more towards this, which is great because it helps not only us, but people within our industry of um, subscription services and just like goods delivered anyways. One of the big things that we had to do was just educate the customers on safety. The biggest concern when it comes to food is food safety. You know, will my food be safe traveling to me? And then the answer is absolutely yes. Obviously, if it's refrigerated and you follow the right food safety protocols, it is. And so there was a lot of education behind that. A lot of when we're, you know, doing our marketing or when we're talking to people, just making people feel really comfortable in that it's the easiest option or it's, you know, hassle-free. I think the convenience factor is the biggest selling point. It's like, if you can go pick up something in the frozen section at the grocery store, there's no reason why we can't send you a fresh meal via FedEx or UPS or whatever it is. So there was definitely a turning point, you know, at the beginning where it was, you're more like talking people into it. Whereas afterwards, in a few years later, it's more of the norm. And then now it's like the complete norm, which is great. But it was definitely interesting starting at point A to see the evolution of how people not only, you know, perceive home delivery when it comes to meals, but really that transition and that like pivotal moment of, okay, yeah, it is acceptable and and not weird Mm -hmm. to get this delivered to you. When you were going online initially, do you remember any specific tactics that helped you get that growth? Because I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that start businesses, turn on their website and think the customers are just going to flood in that you're automatically going to get orders. So what did that look like for you? And what really helped you get that demand to your company early on? 
So we did a couple things. I think we really banked on like SEO and organic search and all of the stuff coming through on the web, obviously Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing. But at the very beginning, the one thing that we did was tried to push like word of mouth. And also we did a lot of demos. You know, I don't think looking back, it was like the best thing to do, but we had limited resources and we were like, how can we reach as many people as we can? So we would go to gyms. We would ask them if it would be okay if we would set up an their lobby and like give out little tasters. We would go to doctor's offices and do like tastings for nurses. And we tried to create like different referral programs so that people could refer their friends. And then as we got more involved on the online side, that helped too. But when you're trying to do something with very little money, you know, you can't just go and do like TV ads or put a lot of dollars behind Google ads and all of that kind of stuff that comes with progression. Or if you do have money to start with being super creative, I think that what has allowed us to succeed, not only in the production side of things, but also in, let's call it marketing, is needing to be creative and really not having a choice, right? So you have two choices. You could either not make it happen or you could find a way to make it happen no matter what. And that is like, I'm always like in this basket. And even today I have now close to 500 employees and I'm always confronted with an issue and it's always people are like, wait, we can't do it. And I'm like, no, you can, you absolutely can do it. Then there's no such thing as a weird suggestion, right? There's nothing that's too out of the box because sometimes the stuff that's the craziest, right? You think that like, this is a really crazy idea. Sometimes it just works. Right. And so I think to me, being super persistent, being really like gritty in how you approach things and being super creative is really the answer to a lot. And that's what we did at the beginning, just taking those chances. And that's what we continue to do today too. And you've mentioned, you know, you've never brought in any outside funding and now you're a nine figure business, close to 500 employees. How did you go about supporting the growth over the years? Because clearly the manufacturing side, supporting all the customers you have coming in takes capital. So how did you approach it in your business as someone who's self-funded? So the one thing that my dad actually taught me, and he always said this to me, even at the very beginning, he was like, a lot of people make the mistake to plan for now, right? Because they don't know what tomorrow holds. They don't know if they're going to be successful. And then the biggest mistake that's made is that you only plan for now and then you become successful, but you didn't plan for it, right? Or you have a lot of volume or your company takes off, but you didn't plan for that. So now you're like trying to catch up. So at the very beginning, what I focused on is scalability. Again, I I always knew that it was going to work one way or another. And so it was so important taking my father's advice to plan for the future. You know, like I don't want to plan for 20 customers. I want to plan for 10,000 customers. Then I want to plan for 20,000 customers and then 30 and so on. And so I tried. And also this is coming from like a very limited amount of like manufacturing experience. When I started, I had no idea like what I was doing. So there's a lot of like trial and error, right? So in my mind, I'm like, this is how I'm going to do it. Sometimes it works. And sometimes it's like, crap, that didn't work. You know? So now let's go back to the drawing board and try again. But when you don't have a lot of money, and you don't have a lot to risk, everything has to be super, super calculated. So it taught me, and even today, to be very, very thoughtful and very methodical in every single decision that's made because it could affect, it's like a domino effect. But yeah, so there's a lot around scalability. So when you, in food manufacturing, we talk about like kettles, right? You can buy a kettle that can make a hundred portions, right? Or you can buy a kettle that can make a thousand portions and maybe the risk is a couple thousand dollars, but then you can look at the upside. So really kind of looking at how we scale and then making that plan like, okay, how do I go from a thousand customers to 10,000 customers? Is it just plugging machinery in and out? Is it, no, now we need a completely different space. Is it more automation? Is it more employees? So there's a lot of these different conversations that need to be had that are all super important. And of course, everything costs different. Automation is super expensive. So we can't go straight to automation. So what's like the in-between part? So I would say focusing on what's the foundation of your business and then planning for tomorrow 
even if you don't know. And I'm not saying like dwelling on the future, because I think that's also a big, I don't want to call it a mistake, but a big thing that people do is like, they think about this is where I'm going to be in 10 years. It's not about like where you're going to be in 10 years. It's just, just kind of like thinking and game planning it. And then for us, not having a lot of resources, just reinvesting those resources back into the company and sometimes taking risks that ultimately will pay off or not pay off, but everything just has to be really calculated. So we just like would reinvest and reinvest and reinvest into ourselves until we were able to get somewhere. Sure. And we hear that a lot. And it's interesting because a lot of people say, you know, I wasn't paid for the first five years of the company. And from your perspective, when did you actually start getting paid? Because you guys, I'm sure, were reinvesting everything to support yeah. the growth. Like two years ago. No, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> for real. So eight years in the business, right? Yeah. I mean, about. And it is true. Like a lot of people are like, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to be rich. And it's like, well, first of all, you probably shouldn't think like that. But second of all, unless you raise a lot of money, which comes with its downsides, because then you have a lot to answer to, that's just not the case. And and regardless of if you're going to start a business or you're starting out in your career, I always tell people like, never do it for money. You'll be like sorely disappointed or it just like takes a toll, like morally as a human being, it's just not a great way to live your life. And so I always say like, if you love what you do and you're passionate about what you're doing and you're following your, I don't know, your gut and you're like really going for it, the money will come. And I really do believe in that. And it's not going to come right away. Some people get super lucky and it does. And, and I respect that. And I think it's beautiful. I would have loved it, but, but at the same time, everyone's on their own journey. So I think as long as like at the end of the day, you go home and you feel really good about what you're doing and you feel good about kind of what you're putting into the world, that to me is number one. Totally. And I think these are the right sacrifices to make. Of course, you need to make enough money to live and at the minimal amount. And I'm sure you could have taken a big salary out at the time. It just wasn't worth it for the grander vision and the belief you had for the company. So just reinvesting. And I think that's super helpful to talk about. So one question, and you briefly brought this up in the earlier side of the interview, but you started the business at 18, you scaled it in your twenties and you're a very young CEO. On top of that, you're also a woman in an industry that is predominantly male. So I'd love to hear more about your perspective on what that experience was like and how you overcame any issues that might've came your way, just building the business, being a young woman. Yeah. There's a lot of things that come to mind, but it's been, so the one thing that I do want to say is that no matter what I've gone through with men or just people in general, I wouldn't change it or trade it because it's really helped develop like who I am today. And I also just feel very, very lucky in general and and forever grateful that I'm able to do what I do every single day. Like no matter what, it's a really beautiful thing that we can do this. You know, as women, there's a lot of countries that can't, and it's a much different situation. So as much as it's difficult, I hate being that like complainer because at the same time, it's not a complaint. It's just like things could be easier. The perspective of people could be different, but that is like across society, right? And especially with everything that's going on right now in the world that we're living in. It's just unfortunate that there is a certain generation that, has, I don't know, I don't want to say like limited views, but it's just unfortunate, but it does stem down to like things that I've dealt with being a young woman and in the manufacturing world, especially in food where you have like big players in the game that have been doing it for since the beginning of time. And a lot of them are men. You sit in room with people who barely look at you, or if you have a male counterpart next to you, they will ask you a question, but look at them. And then like, you have to kind of be like, oh, well, I think that was for me. And then kind of speak up. And the one thing that I've really enjoyed like seeing is like that kind of like shift in perception where I walk into the room and it's like, oh, that's you. And then it's like this weird kind of dance. And then once they see that, okay, yes, I know what I'm talking about. We're here to talk business. This has nothing to do with my age or my gender. There's like that perception change, right? Where people start to take you seriously. I mean, even the other day I was walking, I always go down and I walk the floor and there was like a vendor and I'm just like in my hairnet and whatever else. And I'm looking for somebody and the guy's like, oh, what do you do here? And I said, oh, I, I actually, I own the company. You know, this I'm the CEO. This is my company. And he was like, oh, 
he was like, how old are you? Like 18. And I was like, well, no, I'm, I'm young, but you know, it's, you know, I've been doing this for a while, but there is that perception that I think that will always be there where it's like, oh, you're young. What do you know? And so it's a constant like fight to prove yourself, I guess. But at the same time, I don't look at it that way because to me, I feel very confident in who I am, what I'm doing, what I've learned, um, what I don't know, you know, and what I continue to learn every single day. And when I see these people that have that perception, I feel a little bit bad for them. And, you know, I wish for them that it wasn't that way because I, I just couldn't imagine. But the one thing that I say is it's really easy for people to not believe in in what you're doing and their insecurities or their lack of foresight tells them to be negative, right? And to put you down, which for a lot of people is really difficult. But I always say like, like stick to your guns. Like so many people told me like, you're never going to make it. What do you know about the industry? People trying to come in. And I remember this one time, this man came in from, I don't know, like a bigger food company. And this was years ago. And he just sat there and just like tore me apart. Just like told me like, everything that you're doing is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Why do you do that? And I remember he left and I called my dad and I was just like crying. And I was like, this, he just came in here and he said that everything I'm doing is wrong. And like, I'm just so upset. And my dad was like, what does this guy know? You know what I mean? He was like, what he thinks he can come in here and like try to intimidate you and like say that to you because you're a young girl. He's like, first of all, what does that say about him? Right. And his ego that like, that makes him feel good to come in and tell like a 22, 23 year old that they're just going to like crash and burn. And he's like, and also like, he's not doing it. So it's really easy for people who are from afar who are not doing it to have all these opinions. And sometimes it does negatively impact people. So I always just say, stick to your guns. People always will have something bad to say. I wish everyone was super supportive of each other, but that's just not the case. Um, (laughs) And so it's just like, keep believing in what you're doing. And then for women, the one thing that I have found, and I learned so much is like, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room to make the most impact. And a lot of times, if you sit back and you observe and you listen and you take it in, you're actually understanding and realizing and I don't know, just like, it's very tactful. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of people that go in and think like, oh, if I'm the loudest person in the room, I'm going to make the most impact. And that's just not always the case. And I think that just being really thoughtful and thinking through it and just yeah, I don't know, just not letting people like bring you down. But that's been my biggest thing is sometimes I just sit back and I just listen. And it's just, I don't know, it's been really good. Sure. And I think there's a lot of people listening who can relate to that, even if you're not starting a company as a young woman, but even in the corporate world, right? You have a specific job. I mean, I've been in the situation where you walk in, they're making more eye contact with the men in the room being the only women. And at first it used to bother me, but then similar to you, I would just say, I'd kind of roll it off and do so much research ahead of time. So when I talk, they would listen. So if anything, it motivated me to kind of know more about the specific industry that I was in. So I think that's super helpful. When you were in your early early twenties, just starting out and you were dealing with that. Did it impact you more at the time? I mean, now you're obviously more confident, you know, the business is doing well, but it's so fragile in the early days when you're still figuring things out, you're not sure it could work. And you have someone that walks in and might not take you seriously or will give you a hard time. But how are those moments in the early days when you were still really establishing yourself and the business? I think in the early days, I took a lot of things really personal. And I think that it wasn't a lack of I don't know, like a lack of belief in myself. I just think that it was just so difficult and, you know, you're tired and you're, just, I don't know, you just like want that, that gratification of knowing that you're doing a good job. But yeah, I, I took a lot of things personal. And so I think like, if I could go back in time, I would tell myself like, don't be so hard on yourself and don't like listen so much to what people are saying or wanting to please everybody or just being in like that emotional state, because it only negatively impacts yourself and like your ability to process properly or to make a decision. And it's very harmful for the soul and the mind and the body. So yeah, that's the one thing that I've learned is that now I can't please everybody. That's a big thing too. Like I want to make everybody happy. That's just not the case. You know, somebody is always going to have a problem with something. I can't make everyone believe in what I believe, which is a huge thing, but 
at the end of the day, there's respect. So I'm a huge person. Like, I don't have to agree with you, but no matter what, as a human, I'll respect you. And just moving forward and just not letting things get to me. And one of the big things that I talk about a lot in business is I think that going through these things, it makes you have such a tough skin for better or worse. I'm a lot like more like tough and stonewalled and like cold now having gone through what I have gone through just because you just, it does nothing for you to take things personally. And it the sad part is, is that you see a side of humans that having a lot of employees and working with different people, you see parts of humans that are really nasty and really bad. And so it just creates this, I don't know, it's a very weird thing. And I I distinctly remember like a pivotal point a few years back where I told myself, I was like, if you keep getting so emotionally invested, it only is going to hurt you more than anything else. And so, and that was like a really big thing is just not to take things so personally. Yeah, for sure. And I think it, like you said, it's easier said than done, but you do have to go through those hardships to really build that muscle and that thick skin. So should it ever come back again, you're just better positioned. So I appreciate you just being very open with it because so many people listening, including myself, who are still trying to please people. And it's tough when you're trying to create and disrupt an industry because you're going to have people telling you you're crazy all the time. And especially being young, a first time entrepreneur, you don't really always have support behind you. That's why it's so important to build that community, that tribe, whether it's your family, family, friends, similar to what you did, because you do need to tap into that resource anytime you're down because it can be emotionally taxing. And that takes it to my next question. Having those tough moments can also impact your health. And I know you've been very open about your own health issues and how you're trying to have more of a balance, which I'd love to talk more about because as someone who's built this business, there's so many demands as a CEO. How do you balance your health and just kind of have a more well-rounded lifestyle? So I'm still trying to figure that out, <laughs> like as we speak. Yeah. So there's a couple things for me personally, and this is something that I think I've come to realize a lot more that's not necessarily healthy for me and like my mental health is that I feel this sense of guilt if I'm not working, if I'm not at the office, if I'm not here like physically, even though like I'm always on accessible by phone or whatever. I just have felt this sense of guilt because for the last 11 years, it's all I've known, right? My whole adult life, we'll call it, has been doing this. And so when you are so used to something for so long, trying to break that is very difficult. But what I noticed is, especially when I first was diagnosed with lupus, I had no choice but to push through because it was at the early parts of the company and there was no like taking time off. And so I would push through. And as much as I tried to put my health first, unfortunately, like the business really came first. And I think too, like you just don't have that luxury when you're building a business to like take time off or to go home early. There's just some things that you can't do. And now I'm at a point where I feel very lucky. I've built a very good team. I have a lot of people. There's a lot more structure. So it allows me to go home a little bit early if I'm not feeling well, or, Hey, I really need to prioritize my health. I want to start working out. So I'm going to go ahead and do that and feel good about the fact that the company is still here. It'll be fine. (laughs) um, Even if I step away an hour too early, but also just prioritizing myself. I think that the biggest thing that is important too, is like, what do you want your life to look like? And what does that mean? You know, I think as you grow and you go through these things, priorities change. I start thinking about like this building and growing and money and and kind of what that means, but then you miss out on experiencing so many things. And then if you burn out, what are you going to do? You know, what does that do for you? As I get a little bit older, it's like, thinking about building a family and what's that balance there. I don't want to be an absentee mother if I have children one day. So I think as we get older, our responsibilities change and the way that we look at life changes a little bit. And also our perception of life and what we want changes. I will say that it is still very, very difficult. And I don't really know what that balance is. I just 
try to take a little bit more time to do things that make me feel good, whether it's go and ride my horses or or do some type of exercise or activity. And we've been very unfortunate with COVID for the past year. That has really changed a lot too in our ability to go out and experience things. But at the same time, I think it has grounded a lot of people. And I can say that it's definitely grounded me and re- analyze like what's super important, you know, like what's important in this life. And I think that balance is very important. I don't have the answer to it. It's something that I think I'll never have the answer to. It's just a day, a daily thing. What makes you feel good in that day? You brought up one thing that really resonated with me in terms of the guilt factor, right? If you're not working, even if I'm sick or not feeling well, or I've already worked like a 12, 13 hour day, I still have that level of guilt and I'm just learning to acknowledge it, kind Mm -hmm. of accept it and just put it aside, but it's still a work in progress. And glad you brought that up because I think it's really important to be able to compartmentalize you working and not working because that guilt is just not going to get you anywhere at the end of the day or your business. So No, and it just makes you feel bad, you know? you. You're like, I feel so guilty, but it's like, why? I don't know. It's this weird thing that like, and I'm happy that you kind of understand how it feels, but yeah, there's just this overwhelming sense of guilt or I could be doing more. Right. But I think that's very human nature. Yeah, that's for sure. And one thing I'd love to pick your brains on is all around the challenges, mistakes, and even hurdles that you've had to hit in the business. I'm sure there's so much that you can talk about in the past 10, 11 years, but I'd love to hear more about those moments in your life in the business. Yeah, there's, well, so I would say mistakes, I think, come with growth and trying things. So I can't really think of like mistakes per se, but what I can say is just the way that things are done. If I were to, I don't know, look back, I probably wouldn't have done it again, but I think that's just part of growing and doing what needs to be done. I think that the big thing is, is risk, right? When you do certain things and you have to take a risk, sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't pay off. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't pay off, what's the learning experience from that? And so I think the biggest thing is when something doesn't go somebody's way, we easily jump to, man, I feel really bad about that. It has this like negative type of situation where I'm the type of person that's like, okay, it didn't work out. Why? What's the root cause? What did we learn from it? How can we make it better? going through different trials, like packaging, shipping food across the country. We've probably gone through to get to where we are today, 10 to 12 iterations of packaging where some, I look back and I'm like, why did I ever think it was going to work? But you just got to try it. I think the biggest thing is just the progression. If you can look at what you did that didn't work and you can like reformulate it to make it work. I think that's like the greatest thing. Sure, for sure. And especially when you're growing and innovating, you're always going to be making mistakes along the way. So just kind of hearing your journey through that, that's helpful. But yeah, it's funny to reflect at the first version of whatever you're bringing into this world. You're like, why did I even do it like that? Like, how, what was going yeah, it's on? It's so yeah. weird. Like we used to, like back in like the very, very early days, we used to package the meals in like these, like just like to-go style containers, like Tupperware containers. And I thought to myself, like, I really need to make the product last longer, right? Because on a Tupperware meal, it doesn't last that long. I would put those in a vacuum sealed bag and I would vacuum seal each and every tray individually. So not only did it take hours, like I heard like 200 meals, I would be there until like four o'clock in the morning doing it. But it also was like crazy. Like thinking back to it, I was like, I see like where you were going with that, but like, that was probably not the best idea. And like things would crack because the seal was, it was like a mess. So it's just like little things like that, where you have to do it right. In order to know that it wasn't going to work out or, or you do it. And then you're like, "Mm, there's a better version of this. And then like, how do we make that happen? But those mistakes or periods in time or just in life in general. I mean, this goes even to like personal, you look back at the guy that you date and you're like, why did I do that? Um, you know what I mean? But you learn from it and you grow. So it could be just used in every facet of life. I completely agree. And 
that process, I think, is just part of the journey and it will just allow you to level up, whether it's in your business or even that, like you said, the guy you're dating, if you didn't go through that experience, you wouldn't know what's better or how to take the next step. And it completely applies to anything you're trying to bring into this world as well. So one thing I'd love to get your perspective on is, is there any horrible advice that you've got in your entrepreneurial journey that you can share that completely didn't resonate with you at any point in your career? I don't know if this is advice, but people just saying like, you can't, like, you're never going to do it or like, you won't be able to make it or somebody coming in and like looking up the way that my manufacturing lines are the way that I do things and trying to like, give me their two cents on why it's not going to work. And what people don't understand is if you live and breathe it every single day, like I do, someone can come in and know more than me, but you don't know per se, like what this journey is, right? So you can come in and say, you know, I think that this would be a way better thing, a way to approach it. Fine. But that's, I think like the biggest thing is people coming in and being like, oh, you're doing all of this wrong. This is how you have to do it. And now if I look back and I would have listened to a lot of people that even came into my kitchens or whatever and said, well, why are you doing it that way? You should do it this way. It would have been like a totally different game. Like no one knows what you're doing better than you when you're like in it. So not to say that you shouldn't listen to people who have been in industries longer than you have, but I always kind of take things with a grain of salt. And I think that it's really important to understand that they might be looking at it from a totally different perspective. They haven't been on your journey. They haven't lived it the way that you have. So like definitely listen and take it in, but it doesn't have to be taken for word. So that's a big thing is just people coming in and just trying to like change everything you're doing because they think they know better people coming in and just saying like, this is never going to work. You're crazy. A big thing in food manufacturing that you see is a compromise in product, whether it's like the look of it, the feel, the taste, we're a very, very low margin business. And so a lot of things is like, how can we cut corners to make more money? And that's a conversation that I have so much in meetings where it's like, no, like we're not going to cut corners to do that because ultimately our product is number one. So people coming in and being like, oh, you would save so much money if you bought these frozen square carrots. And what are you thinking doing it by hand or whatever? And my biggest thing is like, no, I'm not going to buy those frozen square carrots because I'm going to give my customers something that I feel proud of. And it's not about the bottom line all the time, which I think a lot of people come in and like, they only think about the bottom line, but that's very short-sighted and I'm in it for the long haul. I think you mentioned two really powerful things. You know, first one, if somebody is coming into your business or your life and is giving you advice don't put them on a pedestal. Like don't automatically assume that they know exactly what your business needs. Because like you said, they're seeing it from 60 feet. They're not in the day to day. They don't know all the minutia. And I think that's really powerful for you to take it with a grain of salt, especially so early in your business. I think a lot of people learn that later in life and yeah. will hear people's advice and will pivot and change and change. But I think you've been really good about staying true to who you are and listening, but not pivoting. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs don't do that as well. So I think that's a really good point. And secondly, I'm personally a big fan of your product to be able to get scale at this level and still stay in integrity with the food, right? You can read everything, all the ingredients on the back of your labels, which is amazing. And you don't see a lot of businesses doing that. They say healthy, but they're not necessarily healthy. They're not necessarily organic. So major props to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, and I think it's important that to remember as being an entrepreneur and a business owner, you know, people come in with their big corporate pedigrees and they're like, I was 25, 30 years as the VP or president of this and that. And you're like, that's super impressive. And like, congratulations. I have a lot of respect for your journey, but you're not an entrepreneur. So I think it's important for people to understand the difference. You know, there's a very, very big difference in being in the trenches, being in the grind, being in your business and like doing that path and then being a high level executive at a big corporate company. They're two completely different things. And so when people come in and they're like, oh, I'm going to listen to every single thing this person says, because they were a huge exec at this big company for many, many years. What they don't realize is that, yes, they might have a lot of insight and expertise, but they never, ever, ever did even close to what you did to get to where you are now. And I think that that's really important because what words on paper 
on a resume is one thing, but what you put in every single day is another thing. And it's easy to get discouraged when someone with a golden resume comes in and just believing in yourself ultimately is huge. For sure. And we've even heard other women on our podcast say we've paid so much money to bring in a consultant with that amazing resume. And it was just money that was burned. They weren't able to scale their project or whatnot. And I just think to your point, they don't necessarily always know the nitty gritty of what it takes to create and launch a product. So it's just interesting to get your perspective on that. So I want to close on one last question that we love to ask all of our guests. Wealth means so much more than money and everybody has their own definition of wealth. At this stage in your life, what does wealth mean to you? I think wealth now, it kind of goes hand in hand with quality of life. And, you know, I think it's easy for me. Some people would be like, oh, well, that's easy for you to say because you have a successful company. So I think that it's very important to understand perspective before my definition of wealth would have been more driven or tied to dollars, right? And what money brings. I think that there's that conception that money buys you happiness, but it doesn't. It a hundred percent makes life a lot easier. And it's something that's a necessity and it's something that we need, but to tie it to happiness or a state of mind that you want to get to, I think is super unhealthy. But again, my perspective has changed throughout the years because now I'm at a place where things are different financially and it's just different for me. So now, and it also opens your eyes, right? It makes you realize like what is important. You spend so much time thinking that the money is what's important, but then you realize very quickly that it's not, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't solve your problems Yes, it solves your bills. That's a big thing and huge, but it also opens your eyes to like what is very, really important in life. And I think to me now that is quality of life, experiencing different things, making a difference, making an impact. And for me, if I think about what I would want to be remembered for or what I'm doing this for is like to make an impact. If I can make a change in people's lives, whether it's with their diet or through education or through redefining what fast food means and whatever it is. I think that is like the biggest source of wealth in making that impact. So I want to make it very clear that I have this perception because I am at a place with the company where I look at things a little bit differently, but obviously the financial part of thing, it's very important for day to day. Sure. No, that's super helpful. And Lorene, I appreciate you joining us today. I'm so proud of everything you've built and I love your journey and your product. And thank you for taking the hour today to share your story. Of course. Thank you. It was great. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.